0: Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health.
1: Hi, my name is Danielle Tate. I'm the maternal medical director for TIPQC. And it is my honor to welcome our guests here today, the team from Baby Scripts. I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Lauren Demosthenes, who is the senior medical director at Baby Scripts, as well as Lisa Carroll, the director of payer partnerships at Baby Scripts. Thank you both for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Danielle. I'm really happy to be here today and tell you a little bit about Baby Scripts and how I got involved with Baby Scripts. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Wonderful. Well, we'll just start with, if you don't mind, giving us a great overview of your company and what it has to offer for pregnancy care.
2: Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of background. So I'm an OBGYN and I was in practice for over 20 years before I was introduced to Baby Scripts, And At the health system that I was currently working in, I was charged with leading high-value care and innovation. And I was the type of person who always wondered why we did things the way we did them. And as I practiced OBGYN, prenatal care sort of bothered me because I felt like we would have a very, very busy day. And unfortunately, sometimes patients would have to wait in the waiting room for maybe 30 minutes at the end of the day when we were running behind. And then they would come back and we would spend maybe five to 10 minutes with them. And I I really always felt like, what am I really doing here? I mean, I felt badly that they had to come in and wait all that time for a very quick visit. And so I just kept wondering why we do it the way we do it. Then I went to an ACOG meeting and I was introduced to baby scripts. And it seemed so sensible to me to modernize prenatal care and to give women more choices. I've always been about giving women choices. So I believe in centering pregnancy midwifery care, traditional OBGYN care, but then I was introduced to using technology and that made really good sense to me. It reminded me that much of what we did on a prenatal visit was educate and I learned and also already knew that we could educate women through an app or through a book with messaging I knew that we checked blood pressures, but I also knew that a lot of people were doing blood pressure checks at home. We listened to fetal heart tones, but you know, I know there's really no evidence about doing that once you can feel fetal movement. So I kind of wondered about that, and I saw that Baby Scripts allowed us to be able to customize prenatal care and offer women another choice. So there were women who who really didn't want to come into the office for the 12 to 14 visits, they were very, very happy to replace some of those with using a home blood pressure cuff, reporting on fetal movement, being educated through an app that BabyScripts offered. And I was just really happy to see us moving in that direction. The second thing that happened was I was part of the MyPath recent committee I'm not sure how many people out there are familiar with the MyPath recommendations, but MyPath is, was a collaboration between the University of Michigan and ACOG to really take a hard look at prenatal care. And what we did was really look at the traditional 12 to 14 in-person visits and make suggestions that many of those visits can be replaced with using digital tools. So we came up with guidelines to reduce in-person visits and allow patients to do a lot of this care in the comfort of their own homes with the provider, of course, monitoring the blood pressures, the weights, answering questions virtually. So that's kind of a lot of information. But what I feel BabyScripts is doing is offering another option to women and modernizing prenatal care to meet the new guidelines that have recently come out.
1: Thank you. That's amazing. And I do agree that with the rapid rate technology is changing around us, we in medicine definitely have to do that as well. Can you speak to successes with setting this up in practices, I can imagine, especially with prenatal care, that certain practices or certain providers may give a little pushback if they can't have that in-person, hands-on, listen-to-the-baby's-heart-tones type of moment as often as they're used to experiencing. How did you overcome that, and what successes can you speak of to that specific area?
2: Yeah, well, as you probably know, anything new takes a a good bit of time for people to adjust to. So one thing I think that's important at the beginning is to not force anybody to think that this is replacing the other model of care, but to really just say, you know, this is going to work really well for some people and it's not going to work for other people, but let's at least offer the choice. So I know when we started centering pregnancy, we really had the same issue. Some patients were a little skeptical. Some of the providers felt like they were giving up that one-on-one relationship because in centering pregnancy, the group of patients actually rely on each other. So it was a little bit different feel. But I think as time goes on and you see that people really appreciate being given choice, it will come along. So we had one patient, she did not work outside the home. She had another small child at home. Her husband worked and they were trying to get by with one car. And this was just such a blessing to her because they didn't have to come in for every prenatal appointment. Now they did come in for some, but they were able to substitute and stay at home. So it helps people who have trouble getting to the office, women who may have to get a babysitter, women who work who may not want to take off a morning to drive in, pay for parking, women who may have to take a bus to work. So again, I think it's just remembering that one size does not fit all and trying to customize the care to each individual patient.
1: Wonderful. And just listening to you describe that situation brings up a very relevant topic, which is social determinants of health. And it sounds as if baby scripts is an amazing addition to the aid that we have to tackle those things that we oftentimes as providers are fully out of control of having any say so over what is happening in our patients' lives that are affecting their ability to get care.
2: Yeah, exactly. this has been studied outside of BabyScripts, but within BabyScripts also, we did a little trial, a little research trial that we, where I was working before, we are, wanted our, of course, according to the ACOG guidelines, we want women who have a hypertensive disorder of pregnancy to come back within seven to 10 days for a blood pressure check. And I was working, I was doing a Robert Wood Johnson High Value Care Fellowship, and that fellowship emphasized care delivery and different ways to provide care delivery. And my research was on substituting in-person postpartum blood pressure checks with digital at-home blood pressure checks. So that was the project that I did for my fellowship project. And there was some reluctance at my institution that the patients would not be able to do that. And what we found actually, pre, pre-study, we looked at how many women were able to come back to the office for that blood pressure check. And we only saw about 60% of our patients able to return to the office for that blood pressure check. And you know, as you can imagine with a newborn baby, it's difficult for transportation, childcare. All of those things are factors that make it difficult to come back in, not to mention some women are feeling fine. You know, they might've had just gestational hypertension, but we also know they still need to be monitored. So we randomized patients to two groups, one standard of care, come back to the office and one, the patients were educated at the time of discharge from the hospital about how to use the blood pressure cuff what some of the warning signs of preeclampsia are. And we found the adherence to taking their blood pressure was much, much higher in the home blood pressure digital group. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was much improved. And other studies at other sites have actually shown that the equity was also improved, that the mothers who had more of a difficult time coming back in were much more capable of doing it at home with a blood pressure cup. So I think that's really exciting to show that equity is improved by using digital tools and that patients are totally capable of being part of their own healthcare. So I'm really excited about that outcome. We've also seen recently that because of the app and engagement and patients being part of their own health, taking their own blood pressure, that their six-week postpartum visit rate is increased. And so we think it's because there's just more engagement. Don't know for sure, but that makes sense. So those are some outcomes that I think point to a real improvement in maternity care.
1: Speaking to the patient and provider experience with baby scripts, I would just like to take a few minutes to highlight some of the things that you've mentioned thus far first starting with the app, could you go into a little more detail about what that means for both the patient and the provider to have that opportunity available?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a question I should have probably started out with. Education is key. If you've been pregnant before, if you've been a, a healthcare provider, I was always a big fan of handing out the ACOG book and hoping people would read it when they got home. But our traditional way of doing a visit is you pour out a good bit of education on a visit, and then you say to the patient, I'll see you back in four weeks. And so that's a fairly large gap. With the app, The education is on your phone and there's weekly updates. So the patient really can get tidbits of information about where they are in their pregnancy journey week by week, day by day. With a book, you know, as you know, medicine changes pretty quickly and it can't really be updated as rapidly as an app. So, you know, an example is if there's some change in ACOG recommendations we're able to go in there onto the app and update the information and then send it out to the providers and say that we've updated the recommendations that ACOG just came out with. We make sure that the healthcare organization is fine with doing that, but it's a lot more current. And then we can also customize it so that if a healthcare system wants to really focus on something, so let's say there's a department that's really interested in a safe sleep campaign, then we can work with that healthcare system and create meaningful education around that topic and push it out to patients so we can help the healthcare system achieve their goals if they have any specific quality goals that they're working on. So it's up-to-date, customizable, and really, the, it's at the patient's fingertips. So rather than that four-week or two-week gap between bouts of information, they have information at their fingertips all the time.
1: That's great. And it sounds like the app is very familiar in the way of social media style is my understanding.
2: Yeah, it's, it's got pictures, it has some videos, it has links to other videos, links to a deeper dive into a certain topic if a person's interested in learning more. We also are, have a product that focuses on blood pressure. So now, you know, one in every seven deliveries now in the United States is affected with some sort of hypertensive disorder, pregnancy And we know a lot of women become hypertensive during pregnancy or have chronic hypertension or have postpartum hypertension. So we have a lot of education within the app specific to that disease state so that patients become really familiar with that. And the other thing I'm kind of excited about is knowing that that group of patients is at higher risk of developing heart disease later in life, being able to carry that education through the first year postpartum and help that person transition to a primary care doctor because we know that having a hypertensive disorder pregnancy is a warning that they're going to be a little bit higher risk of that lifelong. So I like that continuity that we can provide as well.
1: That's great. As well, with the app, is the practice or the providers able to really track use and viewing of the information just so that that could be even more customized to the patient's needs?
2: Yeah, yeah. So baby scripts also tracks what things are open most commonly. You know, maybe travel and pregnancy comes up as a highly opened information. So baby scripts can track that and give feedback to the doctor or midwife that's using it. The doctors and midwives who use it can also add information in. We've had some midwifery practices who've done some customization because they wanted to promote a certain way of practicing to their patients. And so they're able to go in and customize it as well. But we have the basic information that's reviewed quarterly. So it's March of Dimes ACOG information, but every quarter we make sure that it's up to date and I send a lot of the new guidelines to our content writer and say, you know, this is a change so that we can really keep it up to date almost on a daily basis when new things come out.
1: And sometimes it does feel as if things are coming out on an hourly basis. Well, I sometimes, know. I'm going to have news
2: feeds from ACOG and, and SMFM. So, you know, every day I think, oh, here's something, here's something, or a new vaccine video from ACOG or something like that, that I can say, hey, this is a great one. Why don't we put this one on the app?
1: Switching gears to the blood pressure monitoring system at home, can you speak to a little bit more the detail of how that would be set up and monitored throughout the pregnancy?
2: Yeah. When I think about who would want to use it, it really fits several categories. So number one, if you have a low risk patient who's pretty comfortable being pregnant, doesn't really want to come to the office as often as we typically ask that's a great patient to say, I'm gonna let you use this home blood pressure monitor and I'm gonna space out your visits. But you know, if you don't wanna come in 12 to 14 times, we can drop your visits down and let's talk about what a good plan for you would be. So that's a good person who can be placed on it. Of course, the other categories now are as we screen for people on that first prenatal visit who are at high risk for preeclampsia, you know that's another group that's a good customer for that. So if you have a patient who you think, oh, gosh, you're you've got some risk factors for developing preeclampsia, let's go ahead and let you learn how to take your blood pressure early in pregnancy up till 20 weeks. Get into the flow, check your blood pressure once a week. Start learning what's normal for you, and then after 20 weeks, because you're at risk for preeclampsia we're going to have a much closer eye on the trends of your blood pressure. So the trends of the blood pressure, the baby scripts has a system where if we see something that's really out of line, so we set trigger values with the customer, with the health system, we can alert the health system and say, hey, your patient is 170 over 110 and call it in as a critical level. And so what we hope is that By taking high-risk women, well, we know we can identify preeclampsia earlier with closer blood pressure monitoring, so that's a good system. The woman who may become preeclamptic at 28 or 30 weeks and you want her to start taking her blood pressures several times a week, rather than asking her to come back to the office tomorrow or the next day you can teach her how to use the blood pressure cuff and send her home with it, and then monitor her blood pressures remotely, which may even be more accurate than the stress of driving in, sitting down, and having the blood pressure taken after, you know, all the different checkpoints in an office to, to really get into the visit. And then, of course, women with chronic hypertension, it's not a bad idea to go ahead and teach those women to take their blood pressures really lifelong. So it may be a good... Entry point.
1: Well, moving on to the next aspect of baby scripts, the home blood pressure monitoring system. Can you speak to that in detail as it relates to patient and provider experience?
2: Yeah, sure. So there are really several categories of patients who can benefit for that from that. So When I talked earlier about the new guidelines that have come out recently through the MyPath collaboration, we talked about the fact that the 12 to 14 in-person visits is really not medically necessary and that a lot of the monitoring can be done at home. So basically, the blood pressure is one of the most important things that we have people come in to have checked. And there are women out there who are pretty comfortable being pregnant. They may have had a child before. They may be in health care. They may not feel like they need to come in for the 12 to 14 in-person visits. And that low-risk woman can design a prenatal care pathway where she may come in seven to 10 times in person. But we also know we want to be able to do the lab work, want to be able to do the ultrasounds, And the blood pressure, of course, is critical. So on those early visits, it is important that the healthcare team make sure that the person who is using this method learn how to do the blood pressure reading, understand how the app works, and then they can go on their way and set up their schedule where they can eliminate some of the in-person visits and do the blood pressure visits at home. So we also have thresholds so that if any of these values, if a patient begins to show signs of having hypertension, we do have a way of letting the provider know that this is happening so they're not missing out on it. So that person might enjoy it because they can eliminate some in-person visits, get the education through the app, and then monitor their blood pressure and weight at home. The second category would be people who screen positive as high risk for preeclampsia. That's really a lot of women these days. I think I read a couple days ago that one in every seven deliveries now are affected by a hypertensive disorder of pregnancy. So if a woman were to screen positive as high risk, it would be logical to let that person learn how to take their blood pressure early in pregnancy knowing that we may be able to detect preeclampsia earlier with more frequent blood pressure readings. So that's a use case for it as well. Again, if a patient begins to show signs of elevated blood pressures, maybe scripts can notify the provider or the provider can go in and look at the blood pressures. A third use case would be somebody who's diagnosed with preeclampsia. So I know often in my practice, I would see somebody and think, hmm, I think that this blood pressure is a little bit high today. It might not be something I want to admit the person for. I might draw some labs and say, I think I would like you to come back tomorrow or the day after tomorrow and have your blood pressure rechecked. It's probably a lot easier on the patient to just teach her at that point how to use a blood pressure cuff to monitor her at home. So that's a third use case. And then the fourth use case is for the postpartum blood pressure monitoring. And I've already told you how well that works. Women are totally capable of doing that at home. It saves them from having to come into the office with a newborn baby. The adherence rate to the ACOG guidelines is better. And then with an algorithm set up by each healthcare system about treating, you can actually treat the patient and possibly prevent readmission. So some places have actually shown a reduction in readmissions by this early detection of a blood pressure increase postpartum. For chronic hypertensives, we know that so many people are learning to take their own blood pressure and pregnancy is such a good time to develop those good habits. And then that person may very well want to continuously take their blood pressure lifelong if they have chronic hypertension. So I think there's just a lot of use cases. I read a paper pretty recently, I can't remember from where, they even suggested and found that doing universal postpartum blood pressure monitoring seem successful. Because we know a lot of women will develop preeclampsia who are normal during pregnancy. And so rather than just educate women about the warning signs of preeclampsia, we can educate them about the warning signs and then also check their blood pressure. So we can catch that earlier.
1: Wonderful. And speaking to the postpartum timeframe, is that your service is provided within the first six weeks, or is there a possibility of extending it beyond?
2: Yeah, so currently we set it up to, to match the ACOG guidelines of monitoring anybody with a hypertensive disorder or pregnancy, getting that blood pressure between seven and 10 days. So we now, we take it out to 16 days now to match the ACOG guidelines But with BabyScripts being an evolving company and responding to customers' desires and changing recommendations and, and new information, there's no reason to think that that couldn't be something that could go out. The app also goes for a full year postpartum. And so one thing I'm really focusing on is targeting and educating women who have hypertensive disease or gestational diabetes Continuing the education about that for the full year postpartum, knowing that those women are at higher risk of developing chronic illness. And so rather than saying, well, you're done, go on to your family doctor next year, more kind of guiding them through that first year with diet and exercise and information information so that they are really prepared for lifelong health. We also have some really good information in the first year postpartum about infant development, prevention of infant food allergies. So also something that enhances our pediatrician colleagues as they are seeing the patients in the office with the babies.
1: And in regards to blood pressure cuff sizing, that is always a discussion when it comes to home monitoring, are there various options to blood pressure cuff sizes and abilities to replace or replenish as a patient is enrolled in baby scripts?
2: Yes. So we have two sizes. And so the cuffs that we use are validated in pregnancy. So that's important. We do have the small and large. It is the physician and the care team and the nurses they do need to be involved in educating the patient on how to use the system. It's like anything, if somebody just hands you something and says, read about it and use it, it may not be as successful as if somebody sits down and demonstrates the use, confirms that it's being used properly, walks through the app with the patient says, this is how you use it. I think that's sort of your best practice model And with time, that becomes something that can be done quickly. So when we did our study, we had actually had medical students who taught the patients how to use the cuff, showed them how, if they weren't already on the app, showed them how to use the app. And so they sat down in the hospital and went over all that with them before they were discharged. Other places will have the nurses do that, but it is important versus just sending them with a box and on their own. That would be the same. If somebody did that with me, it wouldn't work as well as if they showed me a little bit. Definitely. Can
1: you speak to the ease that the providers, the healthcare systems would have in accessing all of this great information that you are receiving, collecting on the patient population?
2: Babyscripts has a website, of course, you know, all companies do, and it has a lot of the information, has some webinars that have been recorded. If anybody's interested, we have, of course, a demo call. As you know, changing a workflow, it's not always easy. A good leader is going to excite the people that are taking care of our patients and highlight that this is good for patients, patients deserve this choice, this is better for patients, they do better in the postpartum with checking blood pressures. I think you just have to re-message that over and over again.
1: Yes, absolutely true. And I love how much support BabyScripts provides to the practices and the healthcare systems they work with because I'll tell you, as a provider myself, we often get very excited about an opportunity But it can quickly fall to the side if it is requiring so much extra time and work that we may not have just within the demands of patient care. So having the support, having the call center that will monitor blood pressures, I believe even integrating into the EMR as an option for a healthcare system, all great ways of support that BabyScripts can be there with the system they're providing to help take care of the patient's.
2: Yeah, I think it's like any quality improvement project. and you, know, you have to have your team and your champions and repetitive messaging, repetitive feedback on how it's going. I've done several projects within my health system, you know, where everybody was pretty happy with status quo. And so I think, like you said, on a busy day, you just sort of think everything's fine. Why do I need something else? But we just have to keep pushing to improve.
1: Absolutely. As you look to the future of Baby Scripts and where the company, the program will sit in healthcare, on the horizon, especially now in Tennessee, we have expansion of healthcare for one year postpartum. And you mentioned those plans to move into more postpartum education and connection. Is there anything else that Baby Scripts may have on the horizon to add to this program that would benefit both mothers? and infants?
2: I didn't talk much about our mental health work, but we realized that mental health is a significant issue nationwide for for all, but including maternity. So we, we have a lot of content that supports mental health. I also didn't mention that we're able to do surveys and screenings within the app. So Sometimes we know we're supposed to do preeclampsia screening, preterm birth screening, all those sorts of things. And we can make that a little bit easier by putting all that in the app with sort of checklists. So it helps to keep everybody on track. We can help with postpartum depression screening. So we also know in my health system, only about 60% of women return for their six week checkup at all. Perhaps if we do App based education and app based screening, we can improve that and support women with postpartum depression. There's research and there's technology with home based non stress tests. You know, I, I think we're not going to see this go away. I don't think we're just going to go back to business as usual. I think technology is here to stay. It's just trying to enhance our practice with it, not replace our practice, but enhance it.
1: Definitely so. Lastly, if a practice or healthcare system is interested in partnering with BabyScripts for all of the great opportunities that you have to, like you say, enhance the care of patients, what are the steps or the process that those systems would go through to connect and provide the service to patients?
2: So, of course, you can reach out to us directly through the website. We're also having more and more collaborations with health plans and Payers are often supporting and paying for baby scripts because they want to improve the care for their their patient base as well. So we work on things called joint deployment where we work with health plans and payers to bring baby scripts to you where that's being covered by a payer. So yeah, we'd be glad to schedule a demo. And as you mentioned, provide support for implementation and really sustaining it as well. And we know too that with the turnover with staffing, it's important to sustain it. So we wanna get it where it's embedded into the workflow and it becomes just a normal part of the care.
1: Yes, and I completely agree. Practicing in West Tennessee, having baby scripts implemented in the, within the past year, in the midst of a pandemic, in an area of the state that services both inner city and rural areas of the state, it has been a tremendous help. Implementation was smooth. The sustainment and the support has been consistent. So I'd imagine that Tennessee will be one of Many states that baby scripts will be able to aid and enhance the care of the patients during this perinatal period that we discuss. And with that, I would love to thank Dr. Demasthenes for joining us today for our podcast and sharing with us all the great information and just the great resource that baby scripts is for pregnant women and their babies. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you'd like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team.